Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. I'm at work today and it's very lovely because this lunchtime we've got, you know, we do these addressing images yes. sessions, which I always really enjoy. And my very wonderful PhD student, Niall Billings, is, is hosting this one. And, you know, he's the one who I've told you about who's, who's looking at interwar London ballet mm. for his subject. And so he is going to look at these amazing Cecil Beaton designs for Margot Fontaine. Fontaine. I think when she was like 17 oh, in wow. the 30s for this, mm. this ballet apparitions. So I think it would be lovely. Mm. Yeah, and you know, we he, like we just put up pictures and talk about them. It's not like a formal talk. Mm. So I'm really, I think we could get a really interesting mix of people. Yes. Because it's ballet as well as fashion. Like we always get a really good mixture mm. of, you know, our own students and staff, but also people from all different backgrounds. And yeah. it, I think it would be super interesting to see who comes to this one. Yeah, I must tell me next next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's very nice. Like we've got so many events this time that it's a bit of a blur keeping them in my head. Mm. So it's good we've got we're getting started on them, so they're becoming real. Mm. And how are you? Yeah, that I'm 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 fine. Yeah, I um I had a visit yesterday, some people looking at stuff, so that was nice listening to Can them. you say what kind of stuff? Well, one was an um eighteenth century dress. Uh nice. So that will go in a publication at some point. So it was quite close examination of that one. So that was good. And then we have a lot of clothes from a performer called Kitty Lord, who was a music musical um, star. She was an eccentric dancer. And um, so what some, does that mean? Well, apparently it was like a technical term. Would you believe it? Um, well, from what I read, but that might be wrong. It meant you have acrobatics as part of your dance. Wow! So imagine. we have a lot of her tights in really bright oh, colors, really? and we what have, kind of colors? Well, one is sort of a deep orange. One wow. is quite a bright green, and I think we have a sort of yellowy as well. So That's she, already quite eccentric. Yeah, she she wore um yeah she she wore sort of shorter well she wore like corsets and sort of shorter tops I guess you so you could really see her legs so I mean this whole thing about the acrobatics makes sense she would have been able to do acrobatics the way she was dressed we have some How photos of her yeah so and you what did you say her name is well her stage name is Kitty Lord um, wow. and. <laughs> Sorry, I'm choking at the very thought of it. At some point, I looked. I and also some students um, looked into her past a bit, but I, I think she got she was married a few times. It's a little bit tricky finding at that point. It was a bit tricky mm-hmm. uh, finding finding more information. But apparently, she appeared with Maurice Chevalier at some point, and no. she travelled to the south to South America, I think, on engagements. So, wow. yeah. What dates would that be? So I think she stopped around the time of the First World War. I hope I don't get that wrong. Um, So, yeah, it's sort of around 1900 when she was a big star. Wow, she is a PhD waiting to happen. Yeah, no, she's she's a really interesting person. And have you got, apart from her glorious tights, have you got 
the the costumes as well. Yeah, we've got quite a few things. We we had on display for a long time some beautiful pink satin uh, knee high boots, which are embroidered wow. with spangles. Spangles feature a lot in her. Oh, I just loved her <laughs> yeah. already. And yeah, we we only have stage clothes. We don't have anything else, but we have we have quite a few things. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely need wow. to see see the light of day sometimes. They do. Mm. And I wonder how much of like her biography is discoverable. Well, last time I looked, um but that was about 8 years ago. It was a bit tricky. I think we I think she was from Birmingham and we did manage right. to find out her her name at birth. She apparently I think she's supposed to have married a sheep farmer at some point. <clears throat> Australian sheep farmer, I think. And I never could verify that part. But I think in the end she marries someone working in a bank. And oh. yeah, and then I think she stops appearing on the stage. Maybe she she was enough eccentric to go round. Yeah, you I think she couldn't have had an eccentric husband as well. Oh yeah, maybe. Could have been too much. Maybe. Um, wow. But I think now it would be easier to find stuff. I've, I've some sometimes researched people I know. I've researched six years ago, and there's mm. just so much more stuff online now. Of course. Mm. Well, she, I just love her already. Yeah, she's great. Um, wow. Yes, and then I, on your recommendation, I watched Love Cecil last night. Oh, good. What did you think? Oh, I really, really liked it. I I, I did. I, oh, I'm glad. Yeah, I really liked it. Thanks for suggesting it. So what did you like about it? Oh, my goodness, Beatrice. Well, I especially liked the use of images in it. I thought it was really brilliantly edited to kind of collage together lots and lots of his work mm. but you didn't feel kind of bombarded with it and it was very done it was done really well to kind of allow you to sort of meditate on what they were saying about his work at a particular moment and then think about it in relation to those images so I thought and I liked I liked how at the beginning it's him being interviewed and saying that like he didn't really know what his specialization was that he did so many different things but that everything was about the visual for him mm. And that that sort of set the tone for the whole film. Yeah. What did you like? Well, it was it was very much the same. I I liked how they sometimes used this idea of, of image of a photo album, but then one of the photos yes. started to move. I yes. thought that was really nice. And and what I also liked is that they had a limited amount of people talking. I thought that was mm. nice. It wasn't massive that amount. Was good. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's better when they just have a few people who really have something deep to say about the person. Yeah, and and I liked that they weren't shown very often. So oh. after a while, you would recognize their voices. Yes. But but you you heard what they had to say, and sometimes I didn't know who it was who was saying it, but it didn't matter. And I think yeah. sometimes documentaries now you just endlessly have these talking heads and yes. and I thought that was so nice like you say that you saw photos I mean it, I looked um, at the end of the credits it said it was done in association with Sotheby's and it wouldn't yeah. have been possible I mean, otherwise you just no, have I mean, to have no I mean because they have his archive don't mm. they so I suppose they had to be in a, it had to be associated yeah. in association yeah. with them but no it was it was brilliant how how rich it was visually because it gave such a sense of his work but also of his obsession with images mm. 
because all those scrapbook pages are yes. just incredible. Yeah, yeah, no, they were, they were amazing. And I yeah. just, I, I mean, it's incredible how much he did. It really is, because you do sort of think, did he sleep? Yes. Because, mm. but it, but I think it, he's one of those people where he lived and breathed it. Yeah. So it wasn't like he thought, now I will go and do this project, project over here. It was like it was constantly in his head and mm. coming out in all these different ways. Mm. I, I really, when, when seeing so many of photographs of, of his sort of early work, it was really making me think these are all self-portraits. Oh, that's like, it. I don't know. It was mm. kind of seeing all the sort of the bright young things. Of, you know, obviously, there are a lot of self-portraits, literally, which are interesting to see because it is... I actually, I, I don't wish to offend Cecil or anyone who loves Cecil because I love him in many ways, but I don't think he's a great stylish person. I feel like you can always see what he wants to look like, but for me, it never quite happens. Like, he's always got the, his collar a little bit wrong or mm. there's just something not quite there. And I feel I felt like particularly the early like his self-portraits, seeing those with his sort of photographs of his sisters and the bright young things and then his early fashion photographs. I thought these are all of you. These are all of Cecil trying to find Cecil almost. Yeah, I think it also fits in with what was said twice and I can't recall exact words, but it was something about him. It was something about him creating worlds and... Yes, not necessarily yes. accepting what was weirdly I think in both these times someone said something about this they never went mentioned the word reality and it, it mm. sort of wasn't about not being in the real life but it was still about yeah trying yeah creating different worlds um, yeah. or always you also always feel he was striving after some sort of ideal thing where he, that he never got for himself exactly yeah. yes yeah no, no I think I think it's really, it was interesting hearing Tim Walker speaking about him because he clearly, it clearly resonates so much with him and his work. Mm, true. Of seeing photography as a realm in which you can sort of escape both as the creator and as the, you know, the viewer, the receiver of it and, and the enormous importance of theatre, like Edwardian theatre on him. Yes. I think he's so important. Because I have to say that The Glass of Fashion is one of my all-time favourite fashion history books. And I kind of feel like any child who shows even the slightest interest in fashion should be given that book immediately. It's an escape. It's like, I think, for me, it was like suddenly thinking, oh, so other people think like this as mm. well. Like other people become obsessed with particular details of people's outfits or like the image of someone rather than the reality of someone yeah. and yeah and because I think it's Philippe Garnier who's so brilliant and he, I think he says something about how or maybe it's Tim Walker but that, that it's like the idea of the person more than the person that he yeah. shoots mm. and I think it's like the idea of himself more than himself mm. as well yeah it's also um, David Bailey he, I think he said that he invented the Edwardians and I thought that was That's really so good. true. Mm. I, I thought David Bailey was hilariously brilliant. Yes. I loved this. I I loved I and I think I thought it was so it was so great. He he said at some point I didn't like him as a snob, but he was so 
appreciative of the work exactly. and 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 what but what I loved is when he sort of apologized or to Cecil and said something about him decorating God's front room I thought that, <laughs> that was so, so good. good that was so good um no I could because I I'm have a kind of minor Cecil obsession and I love his work but I also hate his snobbery and mm. I hate how how in awe he is of the aristocracy yes. and royalty and how he aspires but it's but again it's as though he's aspiring to what they were in the 18th century or what he thinks they were from portraiture in the 18th century not what they really were and there's something very icky i find about that obsession with that kind of social elite that even those words are so icky um but his work is so compelling and I mm. think it is because he said he feels this lack that he's having to fill it with these amazing dreamscapes that he's creating continuously. Mm. I guess it is this sort of un- never being satisfied with mm. anything, <laughs> with yes. what, what there is. You just always have to make something that's yeah. better. Mm. I thought it was interesting how much you saw his gardens. Yes. I liked mm. I liked that. Yeah, so you you got because you don't see Pelham Place. I mean, you see it at the front door, and I thought yeah. perhaps they didn't have permission to exactly. film in there. But it sort of made sense because it seemed like the gardens were a space where he could dream up these dreams. Mm. And I hadn't known about the first place where he lived. That Isn't looked amazing. Because you know, Madonna owned that place. Oh, really? No, yeah, I didn't know like that. in the 90s or the, or the early aughts when she was with, what's that film director's name? She was Guy Ritchie. Yeah. Mm. And she wanted it all kind of shut off so people couldn't overlook it. But because of like Rambler's rights and things, she could Oh, I didn't know that. Mm. Well, I mm. just knew someone who had a, a like a country place there nearby. Mm. And what, I, as you can imagine, that it was a huge deal that Madonna had bought this. Yes. Mm. <laughs> this place. Um, but I think it is, you know, Ashcombe well, and Reddish House, it, it's like this, this fantasy of what the English countryside is like. And it's completely groomed and artificial countryside that's very prettified. I mean, it's gorgeous, mm. but it's not real out in the wilds countryside. It's, it's this dream of yeah. it. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's like it's, it really feeds into then the photographs that you see. Mm. I also um, thought... I I sort of know. I think I personally know the portraits more than anything else. Mm. And it it was really good to so concentratedly see the portraits as against the fashion work and against yes. the war work. Yes. And yeah, the war work in particular. It's just incredible. The war. Some of the war work is some of my favorite mm. of his because I think he kind of brings his eye to this terrible terrible conflict and produces such fascinating images that give you like the everydayness mm. how it becomes part of, of everyday existence because it's so relentless and it's it goes on so long and the everyday lives of the of the forces but also as Hamish Bowles said some of the pictures of the work of the military men are very kind of sensual and eroticized but there's something very human they're not like here's a heroic sailor doing something it's like a sailor sewing mm, so it's yes. kind of 
it's kind of reminding you these are just people trying to survive in this dreadful situation. Mm. Yeah, I, um, the mundanity, mundanity, is that a word? Yeah. Of, I don't know if mundanity is, but yeah. I want it to be. <laughs> or the mundane side of... No, I think we'll have mundanity. Um, I think you can invent that. Of the war. Yes, Mm. exactly. Because I just, I'm going to show my students the gentle sex next week. And again, I think that's really brilliant for for just the practical day-to-day existence. I don't know the gentle sex. It's this film about five women who get called up so it's like them switching from being civilians to being in the forces and kind mm. of what their lives are like in the forces. And I feel like with Cecil Beaton, because he, he, I mean, again, somebody said this in the film that he's like an outsider all the time. And and it's like he's frustrated he's a fa- an outsider, but it's because he's an outsider that he can create this work. Mm. Because in his diaries for the war, there's so much about him feeling useless and how what can he contribute he's too old he's not fit enough etc mm. etc and you think yeah but there's this need even during the war to kind of understand it and the way to one of the ways to understand it is through images mm. and like the books he produced through the during the war i think are incredible like the ones of the ruins mm. after the yes. air raids are yeah. so shocking mm. but so like I can't imagine how what it was like having that book in 1941 or whatever, mm. but I I feel like it's a way of trying to understand the kind of brutal surrealism of war. Yeah, really, really interesting. Yeah, and so like so awful and weird what he does at Vogue, American Vogue. Yeah, just before the I war. didn't like, know just, that mm, before seeing the film. It's so dreadful, mm. and it just makes no sense that kind of anti-semitism never makes sense it's not like everything no it but never makes sense but it it's like it doesn't fit with but he i think um maybe Hugo Vickers or i think several people said that he he had this thing when he he had a good thing he destroyed it like yes he with yeah. his french you know with Greta Garbo and it it's yeah. it's like each time um, it's like a mistake, mm. but it's. I think it's not really a mistake. It's like it's a false mistake. Yeah, every. It seems. I mean, people said that in the film. Like each time someone gets close, or it's, he's sort of tethered to something, or he mm. he he does something because he can't, maybe he couldn't get out by himself, and he then does something terrible to. Yeah. yeah. So the the, the like, relationship that's so is severed. That is not, mm. because it's it's self destructive, but more importantly, it's destructive out in the universe. Yeah. To put that word out in the universe, to put it in a in it's a so, in yeah that vogue. is and it's yeah it's, it's very just strange yeah it really is mm. and it's yeah no as you say it is that kind of self destructive impulse that I. Maybe it's almost like imposter syndrome. Like he's, he knows he's not these things, but then he becomes them. But then he's not really them. Mm. It must. I don't know. It's very weird. Yeah. I mean, I I agree with Isaac Mizrahi about um, my fair lady. Like I can so remember seeing that when I was very very little, seeing it on television about it being. Well, I think actually several people said 
didn't didn't David Bailey say, you know, if he'd just done that, that would have been enough. Yes. And I kind of like because I I feel it's like every every small child's fantasy film almost. Yeah. Although I did think at some point there was quite a bit about Gigi, which I loved, but it's actually Gigi's really dodgy. <laughs> the actually so story oh my God. and the my story fair lady beyond my dubious. fair lady the story is yes you're right dodgy. you're right it's all so dodgy um it's I, all about the power of imagery to make you forget how dreadful the message is yeah and then yeah exactly and i don't know what um i hadn't seen i haven't hadn't seen or been aware of the existence of coco have you seen that? I haven't seen it kind of deliberately because mm. that was a stage show. But then is is can you watch the whole thing on? The... Oh, maybe. Oh, I didn't realize. Okay, so it was a stage. I think show. it's a stage yeah. show with oh, Kathy okay. Hepburn playing that's Coco true. Chanel, which already you kind of think yeah. really. That's a bit odd. That's a bit odd. I, I haven't seen. I can't remember what the ones called with Barbara Streisand. Yeah, that's I I, that. that was the other one. I was just wondering about what the one mm. is. Yeah. I mean, I've seen lots of stills of Barbara Streisand. Streisand looking incredible mm. but then I think she always looks incredible yeah mm. but no my fair lady as a very small girl watching that on television because I feel like that was the kind of film they'd put on at Christmas yeah I said I definitely oh watched I mean I watched so many musicals when I was little I, I mean, always think I don't even like musicals I like I can't that stand to me. watch mix- musicals but visually and the dresses mm. and it's interesting I can't remember who said it but it is like once she sort of acquires the manners that they're teaching her it is just let's just look at a lot of gorgeous costumes mm. now and I love that bit where they're all coming down the stairs at the ball and it's just like that's a poire that's a long yeah. <laughs> uh, like, no that yeah, is mix, amazing it is and like the mix of the 60s hair and makeup and this yes. mm. is is so funny and so brilliant mm. Yeah, I really, and as you say, Gigi, the bit where they they parade down, is it in the Bois de Boulogne when Mm. they're in the carriage? Because that's like, I was talking to one of my students, that's like in Little Women, there's a scene where one of them is in Paris. It's just like that where they're going along in their carriage, being seen and seeing people. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Well, oh my goodness! Yeah. Now, now I need to do a lot of admin stuff before the addressing images. Okay. Well, session. Um, I wish you but strength. But I'm just going to be dreaming. Yeah, you can you can imagine you're doing it wearing a my for lady outfit. Oh my word! Can you imagine? Yes. I am going to do that. Yeah. And I know exactly the one as well. Okay. And I'm just keep it in my head. Okay. Okay. That's that's our work goal today. Today, yeah. Excellent. All right. All right. I'll talk to you soon then. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.